Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to this Mountain West Wire podcast where the pre-show is more fun than the actual show. Right, Eli? <laughs> we always get a good conversation in and then like forget what's going on during the show, but we, we make do. It happens. That's Eli Betker, Jeremy Moss. Again, mwwire.com, MWC Wire, Facebook, Twitter. Find us, like us, retweet our show. We need the help, people. Please help us. We're bag aid. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> we no, but we'd like to. If you if you appreciate a like or retweet, tell a friend. We're good to go. But today, basketball. And I'm working on podcast number three, so five minute fumes in a few minutes. You'll know why. I've done a couple recaps for football, but we got basketball. We've got about a week's worth of stuff. And honestly, there's I guess it's kind of good. There's not a ton at the moment because finals week, Christmas week. I guess the big team. It was it Fresno and Boise, the big teams we talk about this week. I would say so. Yeah, Boise State's off to a ten and one start, and Fresno State had quite the winning streak, but it did come to an end on Saturday afternoon. All right, here's how we're going to do this. Let's go back all the way back to Wednesday. We're only going to talk about a couple of games. One of the big games, probably yeah, one of the bigger games of the week, Grand Canyon <laughs> at Boise State. Double overtime. I could not watch the end of it because Watch Stadium tried to crash at me. It happens. <laughs> but All we can do is have a collective sigh. Yes, 85-80, Boise wins double OT. Here's the weird thing. I'm doing these daily tournament projection posts, which hopefully you're checking out. It goes over the new... Can new RPI structure has Ken Palm BPI those type of things. So this is an interesting game because we'll talk about the game in a second. But Grand Canyon was one ninety nine RPI. It actually helped Boise jump a hand, quite a few spots for beating a team that's ranked almost two hundred in their RPI. Can you explain that, Eli? Why does that happen? Yeah, uh, I probably has something to do with Grand Canyon's win percentage coming into the game or. Their opponents' opponents win percentage. I'm trying to, but their RPI is 199. Though that's the thing. They were almost 200 themselves. Uh, that one's actually really difficult to understand because on Ken Palm, which is obviously a different rating structure than RPI, they rank 347th in, oh, in schedule wow. of 351 teams. So that one is a bit confusing, and that will probably change uh, <laughs> as the season goes on. So um, I don't know why your RPI would go up with that, but. I also don't know why the RPI even exists in the first place, so oh. we'll take it if it ha- if it helps the Mountain West, right? I guess it's a yeah. We'll get to that stuff later. But Grand Canyon, there. Who would you say the best team in that league is? New Mexico State and the WAC, because everybody says Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon. But New Mexico State already swept the Lobos, so is Grand Canyon really that good of a win? Um, I I think either you said or someone else said it that I think it's more of a a non-loss and it is a quality win because you just can't <laughs> afford to lose those games against uh, sub-100 teams at home, and that's what Boise State was able to do. But I think a lot of people like to talk about Grand Canyon because of their uh, their for-profit business, and they have Dan Marley as head coach, and they have that passionate home crowd. But, and they've yeah, won a lot of I don't, games. They've won 20-plus games. They have. Couple, they have. First couple years. And so. they might go to the tournament now that they're eligible, so we'll see. But So this game, like, I was watching was what I could in the regulation overtime. Like... Boise probably should be winning this game more than they should. They shouldn't be going to double overtime against this type of team. 
Like, don't get me wrong, Green Canyon's okay, but Boise had to cover behind in that first half. They had a slow start. And I, Hutchinson did good, 27 points. They were, what, they hitting their free throws, essentially. Green Canyon was. Boise doubled that up, which, I don't know. Do, do we hear? Do we need to hear it to adhere to or mention the free throw discrepancy? Not a thing. Refs aren't, by, aren't going against your team or want one team to win because they're home or road. Maybe Boise is more <laughs> aggressive, which they were in this game. Why they got 37 free throw attempts. And their defense was pretty dang good. How does this, yeah, was, how does this go to overtime? Go, because yeah, all ahead. those, uh, look how bad Green Canyon shot. Like, what I could see, they were just chucking up for threes, and those nine kept a minute. Yeah, it did. But I think Boise State was even fortunate that this game went into the first overtime because they were not looking too great down the stretch, and they actually trailed by three. I was just one possession left, and Lexus Williams was able to knock down another huge triple at the end of regulation and remember he's just a few days removed from that half court game winner at Oregon in Eugene mm-hmm. just a, just a few days prior and now he hits a off balance an off balance uh, three pointer tied up with the Grand Canyon descent in the first overtime so the Broncos were on the ropes and they were very fortunate to sneak away with a victory against this Grand Canyon team so like they get the victory, then they Boise has a big week coming up. They got SMU also, which will be a pretty big deal. But this is a game where it's going to be challenged too at home, where like Boise's schedule has been. Pretty, I should pull up the numbers here since I have it up. But <laughs> UTEP's not great; they barely beat them. Illinois State's whatever. Like Loyola, Chicago, they're sitting at seven to one. That, that's was that their best win? I'm thinking. Loyola Chicago, yeah, or for Boise, is it Loyola? Loyola, there, <laughs> it's probably their best win. Like they've been tested a little bit. I guess UTEP, they've had a couple Oregon, but at some point you don't want to be tested after game after game after game. It's going to be tested, but and at home, I guess because league play will be difficult. Do you put any stock in that? Because they're winning close games, it'll come back in reverse effect at some point. Like they go to SMU and they play like at UNLV's improved or all these tough road games or hosting San Diego State. Do you put any stock into that? Like if you play close games, you either learn from it or at one point it'll just reverse because not that you're lucky, but if it's a three to five point game, there's obviously some stuff going good and some stuff not going good. I think you could, I think it just all comes down to perspective because you can say that some teams have more experience in close games. And we've mentioned that with UNLV, how they've come up short in a number of those close possession games. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we talk about, um, going forward, but you can, you, I mean, you can say they have experience in one possession games or close games, or you can say that uh, maybe all these close games could hurt them. So I, I guess it all comes down to perspective. But I think what's most important for Boise State and any other team in this conference is that, at the very least, they're playing against competitive teams in non-league play. And once the, the conference season comes around, they're playing tough games on the road, or maybe even at home, that they have some experience playing in just more competitive games, I think that benefits them in the end. Yeah, because they've been playing, like, their, their RPI, like, they got the Iowa State loss, but everything else is decent. Like, even Loyola Chicago, where 115 RPI, they're only 7 or 7 1. Like, how does, like, it's, RPI is weird, especially this time of year. Like, right now, their RPI is 32 for Boise, which is really good, right? It's about du- half the spots or double the spots down from Nevada, who's like at 15 or 16. But how does, I know it's, because what RPI essentially is, they still have its, your, what is it? Your record, your opponent's record, and your opponent's opponent's record, correct? Right, right. Southern Utah's sitting at 57 RPI. Hmm. Is that because who they played and everything, I'm assuming? So, like, this will all change. Like, when uh, UNLV, they played Illinois, that'll move up and be a pretty good win. But 
they're not playing a terrible schedule because it's about top 100 SOS, so it's pretty good. It's not terrible, but like Grand Canyon, really quick, their RPI is now 210 <laughs> at the moment. So. Yeah, it's rough. And all I mean, the water will find its level as the season continues. And same with the Mountain West teams. Once they start playing each other, the RPI will start to, I guess, fall back to where we expect them to be. So Nevada won't be top 15, top 20, I wouldn't imagine, for much longer i don't you have the numbers in front of you i assume but they were at one point up to number eight so that will drop down as they play oh they were i didn't realize that they're that high i don't have like the movement rpis have the current rpi mm-hmm. that'd be pretty nice yeah. a day-by-day rpi thing which we're kind of doing but i didn't start this early enough i guess to, to have that nevada, nevada's at 19 right Thanks. now That's so about right, yeah. they're still still pretty high and they have some quality wins but going back to boise i think they do have they have had a number of decent tests going to oregon and winning that game even though the ducks might not be a tournament team i would imagine they're on the bubble by the end of the season but going on the road and knocking off a last year's final four team is pretty big i think the neutral loss to iowa state won't hurt them because the cyclones are looking pretty strong no hutchinson either they'll take that into consideration right right i i would assume so and and loyal chicago might even end up winning the missouri valley and they Loyola Chicago had that road win at Florida, um, but I'm checking right now, and they actually lost on the road to Milwaukee yesterday, so <sighs> it definitely hurts. But if, if they can go on the road, beat SMU on Monday, that I mean, that puts Boise State in a great position because you would finish non-conference play 11-1 and with your only loss coming in a neutral site against a Big 12 team that could go to the tournament and also have two quality road victories. So that um, I think it shapes up. If Boise State were to knock off SMU, I think that shapes up as a better at-large resume than what Nevada would stand for in terms of non-conference play. Exactly. Let's get to that game right now since you mentioned They play SMU Monday night. It's on what, ESPNU, is that correct? Yes. ESPNU, mm-hmm. it's a, what, um, 6 Pacific, 8 there, Central Time Zone. Did you know SMU has a home winning streak of 29 games? Wow, so they'll—I guess Boise State will go to knock off another home winning streak because they knocked off Oregon um, just a few days ago, and the Ducks had the longest home winning streak in the country at that point. Yeah, looking at SMU really quick, they—they beat Arizona when they were number two, so whatever that's worth. <laughs> yeah, but they, they have a decent schedule. Like they've lost to TCU, ten point nine point loss or eleven point loss. They lost to Western Kentucky, who they're. Not great. They're okay. They lost their top. Whoever that guy was, who I'm back at school. I'm not school. I'm back at school. I'm going to the pros. I'm right. oh crap. What's going on here? So they've played a decent schedule. Like a couple of those games, who else they played? ULM, I guess. But wasn't SMU projected to probably be one of the best teams in America behind like UConn and uh, who else in that conference? That's good. And yeah, in Wichita. Which, oh yeah. Which, oh geez, I forget Wichita. Mm-hmm. Geez, sorry. Since he's always good. Houston's hit or miss, but uh, UConn's always a decent team, but. The way when they play, like this is a big game. They go on the road game. They beat them last year right at home, correct? They did, yes. They they won that game pretty pretty comfortably. Okay. What they I think what they need to worry about because SMU likes to score points. They have five. They, yeah, they've they've got a Shake they Milton have a really good offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they shoot well from the perimeter, which is one of Boise's strengths. So uh, strengths on defense. So that's an interesting matchup right there. But SMU will slow it down. Boise State, you like you t- typically like to run with that team. Um, it's an interesting contrast of styles, but SMU definitely has their stars. And Shake Milton, who's their six six junior, is one of the best players in the country for sure. Yeah, look, like and they have five guys. Like, well, they they score seventy five a game, and they're if you look at their adjusted offense, it's actually top thirty five, which is pretty good, thirty fifth. But they have five guys score ten points or more. But it's gonna it's gonna be Milton who's gonna be their guy. Like, here's a couple of things I noticed: they score a lot. They don't <clears throat> they don't have a dominant rebounder on this team. 
which I guess that's good. I don't know. They get, I have a bunch of guys who get five rebounds a game, so take what you want from that. But this going on the road, playing down there, SMU, like both these teams have played a similar type of schedule. And with that huge winning streak, I don't – it's going to be tough for Boise to win because SMU's pretty good. I keep saying that. But, dude, how many teams have not alone a 29-game winning streak but 10 or 15? It goes back to, what, early last year, I'm saying? Maybe the year before? Goes back. I, I would think so, yeah. It probably goes back to 2015. I guess an interesting thing about SMU is their lineups, if you just look at heights and weights, it's very similar to that of Nevada because they really don't have a seven-footer like Boise State does because Boise State has three guys that are around seven feet tall. But even despite the fact that SMU doesn't have a ton of height down low, they're actually in the top 20 in offensive rebounding percentage. So they tend to lean on athletic guys that have a nose for the ball and have a tendency for grabbing offensive boards. So Boise State will have to be careful for that. But on the flip side, because it just seems like these teams contrast each other so well, Boise State actually leads the nation in opponent offensive rebounding percentage. So what SMU does well, Boise State does well to counter it and vice versa. So... It'll be an interesting matchup, and I I know the Broncos fans probably wish it was at home at Taco Bell Arena, no but kidding. if they can if they can go and pick up a quality road win in Dallas, that's going to be huge for them. So one thing too, I'm looking over at TeamRankings.com or the Pick Center and ESPN. They have offensive rebounds per game. I don't think this 40.5 number is accurate. What's <laughs> they, they well, 40.5 like, offensive well, rebounds per game? No, that's well, it's just, it's just OFF RBS per game, which I assume is offensive rebounds. 40 for Boise, 35 for SMU. I don't know what stat that is. Do you have any clue? Well, sorry, what is it, 40 and 35? Yeah. Am I missing something mm. there? It's, that can't be offensive rebound percentage, and it's definitely not offensive rebounds per game. No. Uh, what, what would RBS stand for? RBS? Yeah, RBS. Rebounds, right? You would think so. Well, I guess that... Is, that, is it not total rebounds? No. I just is OFF RBS dash game slash game. I would that would be offensive rebounds per game. That that's not right. That's you don't have <laughs> that 40, is not forty offensive rebounds. Oh, here per it game. is. It's Virginia runs per game. like that's fifty-five possessions it, per game. It's rebounds per game. Apparently, if I go back one page, fix that, guys. Mm-hmm. Number fire. Whoever's on top of that, fix it because that's causing some confusion here. <laughs> so that that could be. I think that could be one of the big differences. Like you mentioned, the size disparity. Boys, you already since we figured out the stat finally, five more rebounds per game. But, you know, it's interesting. SMU has more blocks per game than Boise, which is kind of odd. Hmm. They they have athletic guys, but of it's course. really interesting how these two teams match up with one another because what the what one team does well, the other team does well on the opposite side of the ball. So this will be a fun game. And if you have ESPNU, I'd strongly recommend tuning into it. You should. And really quick, it's a, SMU's a 7.5-point favorite at home, which sounds about right. If I go back to that site, which I question at the moment, I don't know if I should trust them anymore, they <laughs> give a prediction – Matchup predictor, ESPN's BPI, 78% chance of a win for SMU. Wasn't it similar for Oregon against Boise State? I should see if I could find that on here. It was, I thought it was high. It wasn't like 90, 80 or 90%. Well, I didn't I didn't trust that Vegas line from the get because Boise State and Oregon have played so close to each other the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and I think Oregon was favored by seven. Take, take that money and run. That's easy. Um, so do you think Boise could pull off the upset? I think so. I, this obviously will be a tougher matchup than what it was a year ago in Boise. And any team that has a 20-plus game home winning streak is tough to beat. But I think Boise State has the ability to pull off the upset. They need to do what they do best, which is 
shoot from the outside. They're one of the country's best perimeter shooting teams, and just make sure that SMU's athleticism and their pace that they play is is not too much for the Broncos. But I think I'd give them a pretty solid shot of winning this one. Let's just get Chuck Hutchinson <clears throat> to shoot a couple of threes, right? What's that? Get Hutchinson to shoot a couple of threes, make them, perhaps. Yeah, I, yeah, and then hopefully he's Jess only nine at twenty nine, so maybe he'll, can heat up. Maybe he'll get the average better. Give us a couple. Go two for two. That'll help out. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes. You got, you got Hobbs. You got yeah, Jessup, like you said, 41 of 77. We'll see what happens. So it's it's going to be a close one. So definitely watch it Monday because if they win, so if they're sitting at 11 of 1, it's their only game of the week, I believe, until conference play. Would they? you think they'd be ranked after that for sitting at 11 of 1? The following, whenever the poll comes out, probably the 26th. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they'd be ranked, but they would probably be in the top five or six in receiving votes. I want to say they only picked up one receiving vote in total, or I think it was two actually. They were in one ballot, uh, slated at number twenty-four in the previous AP poll. So that would be quite the leap. So I think they would still be unranked, but if they can string a number of wins together, they start conference play at home against Colorado State, and then go on the road to play UNLV. So. Maybe after UNLV, if they're able to still be undefeated at that point, um, I guess not undefeated because they already have that one loss, but if they're able to go 3-0 in that stretch, then it's possible that they could sneak into the rankings, but that might be looking a little too far in the future right now. They need to focus on Monday. All right, let's um, let's move on to a few of the teams because, again, there's not a ton going on. Let's go to, real quick, Fresno and Oregon, Fresno State, Oregon. Fresno, they're a team that could cause some troubles, but it seems like they're not quite there yet. They had a... Su- Pretty good lead. They had a 10-point lead to Oregon at the half at home as well. Right? This is at home, correct? It was. At, yeah, at Save Mart. Do we know the attendance? Because usually it's pretty low at Save Mart. Do we have it? I think <laughs> it was around 9,000. Okay, it was pretty good. It was one of the bigger non-conference games that they've had in Fresno for quite a while. Like, this game, like, Fresno should have done better because Oregon's bench did literally nothing in this game. 17 points. I guess that's more than Fresno's bench, I guess. But still, <laughs> like, they... They play, they play a decent amount of minutes on these Oregon guys, like 35, 32, 33 minutes. They held them good at three-point range on defense where Fresno did better. But, man, Fresno missed seven free throws, which clearly is a big deal. But how do you give a big lead? You get outscored 40 to 23 in the second half. Is it – what do you think it is? Is this something Oregon's has more depth? They played close games. They don't want to get upset again by another mountainless team. They're on the – like, you're on the road. You have a ten, you're down by 10. Those are, those are pretty big odds to overcome. It it was, but Fresno State. I was watching this game, and and Fresno State looked alive and well in the first half. They were scoring buckets, and honestly, they held Oregon, I think, below thirty or thirty five percent in the first half shooting wise. And then Fresno State had this stretch in the second half where they just could not hit anything, and Oregon could get everything they want. Uh, the Ducks went on a twenty four to three run, and that just about sealed in the final minutes. So. Yeah, Fresno State went cold. I think they went about nine minutes without a field goal at one point in the second half. Uh, that'll do it nothing, for you, right? That'll do nothing it. went right. Yeah, their their perimeter shots. They're probably the best three point shooting team in this conference, or at least um, one of the main threats from deep. And nothing would fall. So it it's tough because Fresno State had this game won had they had just continued to play how they did in the first half and would have sent them to ten and two on the year and probably built in some good momentum. They would have been. 11-2 and in conference play, heading into their huge home opener against Nevada. But instead, they dropped that heartbreaking loss to Oregon. It really makes you question this team going forward, what they can 
handle in terms of other competition. Yeah, because they got beat pretty easily by Arkansas, who's pretty good. Long Beach State, they beat them, who's okay. But, they, I don't know. It's like, it's, if you have these leads, that's what you don't want to see. You don't want to see teams get a lead and then just kind of get rid of it. Like, like it's a 10-point lead at the house, pretty big deal. Wasn't one player, I, I should mention this at the beginning, didn't one player sit out this game for Fresno? Yeah, Jerron Hopkins is out with a back injury. Um, although it did initially sound pretty serious, he should be back in time for the Nevada game, but we'll monitor that. I I guess one of the interesting stats for Fresno State is they have this electric offense mainly due to their backcourt, but they've played three top 50 Ken Palm teams this year, and they haven't scored over one point per possession in any of those three games. So they're able to explode against some of the weaker defenses, but when they're posed against tougher competition in Arkansas, Evansville, and Oregon, that offense seems to fade quite a bit. If that'll change when they play, like, Nevada could score, Boise looks like they could score, New, Mex- well, New Mexico wants to think they could score, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, UNLV can score. New Mexico wants to think they can. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. When they play, score 100 po- Hey, don't get mad at us when we said, cool your Jets when they scored 100 plus versus what, New Mexico Highlands? Mm. It's like, relax. It's we like a D- D5 school or something. <laughs> Whatever it may come up to be. We tried to warn him, Jeremy. We tried. Don't tell Jeff Grammer. People get mad at him. Yeah, it's tough. It's a search. Search Twitter for us. Have fun with that. All right, but let's get to Lobos real quick. <laughs> they played New Mexico or New Mexico played Arizona. Sellout crowd at the pit. First one in a while, which is hard to believe. Or do we do we need to call it Dream Style Arena? Is there an official word we should call it by, or is the pit good enough for you? Let's call it the pit because I'm still not too happy about this arena being called Dream Style as opposed to Wise Pies because what's not liked about Wise Pies Arena? That's a pretty awesome name. That's not bad, but we'll go with the pit. So they play Arizona, who's back in the rankings after their, what, 0-3 start. Lobos were never really in this game. It seemed like they kind of, oh, they kind of were. First half overall wasn't great when they are down by double digits. But, like, they had – Lobos need more than one or two guys to score points for them. You can't beat a team like Arizona – who I think it seems to have found their groove, where they spread the scoring out. And the de- two things I noticed. Defense is going to be an issue for New Mexico part of this year. And then, like I mentioned, I was kind of half-joking, but we don't know what offense they want to do because when they played bad teams, they run it up like crazy. But when this, And this one's sort of in that um, range when he scores 73 points. That's quite a bit. But when they're playing good teams that want to slow it down, they seem like a complete mess. And so until they find like an offensive identity... I don't trust them as far as I can throw them, really. Like, them finishing ninth, 10th, 11th in the conference is a realistic possibility. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, it's realistic. But in this one, like, outside of Culper, that's it. Like, uh, Dean Culper, that's about it. And was it um, Troy Simmons off the bench at 12 points? But Troy goes 0 for 5 from three-point range. You can't have that. Yeah, I mean, uh, offense has had its struggles, and, and Dink Hyper is pretty good with 24 <laughs> points. That was one of his best offensive showing of his career. Mm-hmm. And just so happened it was his 21st birthday, so that's cool for him. But the defense was just downright miserable. They allowed Arizona to hit nine of their 13 three-point attempts. And, I mean, Arizona just got everything they wanted. They had two players that scored over 22 points, and Aiton went seven of nine from the field with 10 rebounds, so... I mean, when you allow your opponent to have 62% of their uh, two-point attempts go in and over 69% of the three-point yeah. attempts go in, sorry. I mean, that's a plus goes 16 or 20 from the line. You can't expect to win those games very often. So, yeah, I mean, Arizona is probably the most talented team in college basketball. You could make that argument. So anyone that expected Mexico to win this game is probably 
um, a bit unrealistic, but you have to give New Mexico credit, and I, I mentioned this on Twitter. They did hang around for a little bit. In the second half, they showed some signs of life, and um, I believe they scored the same amount of points in yeah, the second 40. half. Yeah, they both they yeah forty to forty. So that's it's a decent half for the Lobos. I guess one of the interesting things that we should mention though is Sam Logwood who oh entered yeah who entered the uh, New Mexico State game having led the Lobos in scoring totals and also rebounding I believe he took a, a brief break from the team he said he was going to leave the team for personal reasons nobody knew why this is this their senior forward who nearly left the team in the spring but was convinced to come back for his senior year he left and missed the New Mexico State game a game in which New Mexico could have won. They lost by three points. And um, he returned for the Arizona game. No one really knows what the full story is, why he decided to leave, why he decided to come back and just miss one game. But to my surprise, he actually played a decent amount of minutes. He he played um, 27 minutes, I believe, which was the second most on the, on the team despite coming off the bench. And uh, had a decent night. So... I have no idea what to make of this going forward, but it's an interesting story that's developing in Albuquerque, and really no one knows what's going on behind the curtain. Because, we'll pull it back a little bit, we can do that. Not that we know what's going on, but here's, I guess I mentioned joking earlier, search Twitter on Jeff Grammer and other things. Here's the thing that's kind of weird. I'll mention that tweet you sent me from, this is from JP Marietta, KOB Sports. He's a sports director at KOB, his TV channel, we weren't sure at the moment. So, Sam Longwood was back with the team tonight. They're one game of hiatus, as you mentioned. Photographer to Troy Simmons. Basic question. Like, this is not a gotcha question, a difficult question. This is just a, here's exactly what it is. Having Sam back, what's that like for you guys? Even if something's terribly wrong, you hate the dude, it doesn't, like, responsibly say, oh, it's it's good to have him back. That's all you have to say. It's like, oh, he he's a good player, or he helped contribute, like, Something very generic, correct? That's a very simple answer. You're not going to throw yeah, a teammate. I would, I would say so. you, you, you shouldn't or wouldn't throw a teammate out of the bus unless you're a jerk. He, no. he would just say, "Oh, it's good to have him back." Or, and maybe there'd be a follow up, maybe not. But these aren't difficult questions. So Troy, and parentheses here, long pause, glances over, looks over at a UN, UNM employee nearby, obviously seeking. Hey, what should I say here? Because. My thought, hey, what's going on? Nothing good's going on when he does that. He goes, you don't have to answer that. And Troy goes, I'm good. <laughs> Something's going on. Because I've been to enough locker rooms, pregame, weekly press conferences, media availability, to know, like, guys are probably going to answer, like, oh, it's, it's going to have back, like something generic, which that's all the guy's looking for. He wasn't looking for anything spectacular or any great quote because that's – honestly, that's a – it's a question. <laughs> it ended up being a great quote. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the thing. <laughs> Doing this makes it way worse than it would have been. Like, oh, it's good to have him back. Or it's, it's um, we're glad to have him back after the one game. The, mm-hmm. the guy, the photographer, could have said, hey, so why was he gone? Then that's something where he could say, well, it's not for me to say. Mm-hmm. Or it's a team issue because Paul Weir's actually said as much. If he's going to come back, the team wants him to come back. It'll be a team vote or something, correct? Right. And so he could have said, well, he could have said, well, our team felt – he could have said something generic again. Like, well, I don't it's, – it's just a, it's a team issue and he's back on the team with us and he's a great guy. By not answering and looking over for what to say, come on. You know what I mean? Something's going on. And nobody knows because Sam Logwood, when he's asked to come speak after the media, denied every time this past week at least. 
it's it's just such a bizarre scenario and and we don't know what's going on behind the scenes or what it is that uh, drove Logwood to decide to leave the team and then even more interesting he decided to up and return just a few days later so no one really knows and he's supposed to be the leader of this team he's one of the few seniors that has been here from the start act like it come on um yeah it, it's it's too bad and and it's nothing that's going on with legal issues or academic issues. Anything that's been reported has denied anything uh, legal or or academic that's going on. So he's fine in that category. So it must be something personal or something within the team. But um, you have players on Twitter that are standing up for him, and you have other players that seemingly don't want to answer any questions or even discuss it. So... Um, Maybe we'll never know what happened. I think that's well, definitely and a... Here's what the weird thing but, is. Yeah. One last thing real quick. Because Grammar's like speculating, or he just says, hey, they won't let me talk to him or whatever. Logwood comes on mm-hmm. Twitter and says, what did he say exactly? Like, you don't know the story or something? Or So Grammar was responding to someone that said, or was asking him, like, what's the deal with Logwood? And, and, and Grammar said something like, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, he said something like, um, he decided to leave the team for personal reasons, and now he wants to be back. It's something along those lines. And then Sam Logo on Twitter, on his personal account, he he quote tweeted Grammar, and all he, all he said was the word false. And then Grammar replied saying, "Well, if you if you want to talk to me instead of just tweeting at me, like let's have a discussion yeah, and actually talk about what's yeah. yeah if like, I'm like if I'm wrong, let me know on. because." Maybe he's wrong. Maybe he doesn't know the info, which could be true. Can you know? And always a personal issue, which could be basically anything, right? You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. I hate this guy in this team. I'm having trouble in school. Something's wrong with my family. I just don't like basketball at the moment. That's it's a, a million things could be a personal issue. It's it's just so bizarre that you want to 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 leave the team, and then when people are like trying to understand what's being said, then you step up and. And have cryptic messages, so I don't know. No one really knows besides those that are actually within um, New Mexico basketball, and it's a bizarre scenario. And I know that Paul Weir would hope that uh, he has better leadership at the top for years to you come. You would think, but, but apparently his media availability is tighter than anything. I don't know. Despite there it's, being, it's, let me get, let me see. There's uh, Jeff Graham or the paper, one or two radio guys there, and what two. Or, seven or eight guys max at practice because a couple of TV guys, if they come every day mm. and the team's not very good. So maybe that second radio guy doesn't go up there. They just have the one guy or an intern down there to get sound or talk to somebody. It's just like, if it's like, with it being so generic, so Logwood said, Hey, it's, it is a personal issue and I don't want to discuss it. That, that would have been, I think grammar would everybody else would be okay, fine. That's, mm-hmm. that's your, thank you. That's, that's yeah. I'd like to know exactly, but maybe it's really personal. It doesn't want to talk about it. But him saying false to a personal issue, what does that mean? Legal issue? Because if it's not a personal issue... Well, it's been reported that there is no yeah, legal issue or academic well, issue. That's what I mean. It's mm-hmm. like, he's using the most generic term out there. I was just throwing stuff out. I'm not saying that's the case, but he can just... All, all he said was it looks like a personal issue. And if that's not true, mm-hmm. what I mean, what else is there? If it's like, if it's not legal, it's not academic... Literally, no one knows. It's, it's so it's so strange. And he could say that. It, like, all he could have said, like... Instead of false, because I don't think Grammar's insinuating anything was wrongdoing or anything toward no. that. He could he could have just said it's the same false, which is a, is a what twenty one year old kid, whatever twenty two. It's like okay, that's fine. But he could just say, yeah, you're right, it is a personal issue, and I don't want to discuss it. They would have taken that answer. Mm-hmm. They probably would have still asked to talk to him about it. I mean, talk after practice. But there's something going on if he's not allowed to talk to practice or players having to get guidance from an employee nearby to know what to say. For a most basic question is how is it. 
how does it feel to have a teammate back on your team who's a isn't he captain right a team captain mm-hmm. yep so how, senior your your top senior score how hard is it to answer that softball question to have your captain back on the team well it it tells you this it tells you that something's going on behind the yeah. scenes that a lot of people that who should be as close with Logwood as possible are not on the same page with something. So yeah. it's just bad news for a New Mexico team that is in such a big rebuilding stage right now. That's huge for the program. One last thing, too. People who say, well, why are you asking that guy the question? Because you can't talk to Sam. That's why that question is being asked to somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why. So you have to ask the question because when I did BYU football, there's, you always want to talk to the, the center on the team. It's team captain as well. Every week, can we talk to him? Can we talk to him? Never could talk to him ever. Because maybe shy or whatever, but it's like then you get people asking about, hey, what's up with this guy? What's up with him? Or how how is he? If he had a good game, we had to talk to a player X that's not the actual player, and so mm-hmm. it can put those guys in a situation where they're still they're young younger kids. When you're talking to these guys who are just asking questions, they may slip up, may say something that probably shouldn't be said, or misinterpret something. So <laughs> I don't know. Something's going on if you, if you can't answer that question. But easy thing to do, in my opinion. Paul Weir and Sam Logwood should talk together and say, hey, here's what's going on. You know what I mean? If it's nothing, say, hey, it's an issue he's taking care of by himself and he's not going to talk about it. That's fine. People are going to respect that, <clears> I'm assuming. Or or it's like, hey, just talk basketball questions because it's something he doesn't want to discuss. I'm like, that's fine. Not a big deal. But let's move on. We're done, We're done with that, okay? That's a long time. There's not many games. <laughs> that's our spiel on New Mexico. There's not many games, so we got to talk about other things. And Lobos, are they off mm-hmm. until league play begins? Or do they have one more game? Uh, they they have two games until league play. They have Rice and Prairie View A&M at home. Ooh, good old swack teams in Prairie View. Yep. All right, so let's go to UNLV real quick. Um, I haven't put this together, but I'm going to, and we're putting together a uh, what, non-conference. Um, what, what, what's the official title of this? Top 10 players on non-conference or something? Uh, like first and second team all Mountain West non-conference. That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure that one out. <laughs> Basically, we're putting together a, a two-team list through non-conference play. We'll keep it that. So mm-hmm. we got Rebels and on the list here, but they uh, they've been playing okay. Beat Illinois, beat Pacific, and one thing they do is when we have these top ten teams or top two teams, I'm gonna get that blown up all the time. Um, pretty sure. Did you put Brandon McCoy and Jovan Morin on the list? Are they both on there? Uh, at this. Present second, I have uh, only fill up my top five, but Brandon McCoy is in the. No, top I mean five. the list you sent out to everybody. You included like players to pick from. Oh, oh, Was yeah, Shakira yeah. On there the entire well? list. Shakira I have Justin? four UNLV players. Four. They have McCoy, Jovan Mooring, Shakir Jusin, and Jordan Johnson. So they got those four guys. Brandon McCoy. Uh, let me ask you this. I know it's super early, and probably not fair to ask you, but I will anyways because that's what I'm doing here. Can Brandon <laughs> McCoy be player of the year and freshman of the year, and a newcomer of the year all in one? I, okay, I can answer one of those questions. With certain. Yes. <laughs> so, I I think that I could be actually. I don't know if I can answer this with certainty. I'm pretty sure Mountain West just does freshman and newcomers the same award. Okay. I know some conferences are different with that. Like some conferences will award freshman and newcomers. Some conferences are just newcomer. Yeah. So, I mean, McCoy's a lock for whichever one it is. I I should know this, but I don't it's right okay. now. Um, and in terms of player of the year, I think he has to be your number one guy right now because you have, I mean, Chandler Hutchison's a stud, but he's missed a number of games and has, and he's been off for a couple of games, admittedly. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, really, no one from San Diego State's making noise. Herden, Deshaun Taylor from James? Fresno State. What's Herden that? Or Justin James from Wyoming. Yeah, I mean, 
I if we're if we're talking Wyoming, I might make the case for Hayden Dalton. Since oh, Dalton, sorry, yeah, missed the player of the week award. Missed one of those guys. So, but I mean, going back to your point, though, Brandon McCoy's been a stud this year, and and not many people were expected him to have major stat lines. They thought that maybe they'd spread out the ball a bit more, but he's using about thirty percent of UNLV's possessions, and he's doing just a fantastic job when he touches the ball. So. He's been a pleasure to watch, and it'll be exciting to see what he does when he matches up with some of the Mountain West's other uh, top front court players. I mentioned them because they played Pacific tonight, won that game. Their schedule's been okay. They've been scheduling nice where they get the, air quotes here, neutral games at MGM where they beat Utah. Yeah, that, that is pretty nice. Beat, huh? uh, Illinois. Even though Utah took a hit, they lost to BYU last night, who's whatever, BYU's not great. Oh, no, they beat Pacific yesterday. I'm sorry. I thought it was today and Sunday. But, like, they – B Pacific, 81-76. Close game because Pacific had a strong second half to get back. But like in that game, McCoy had 21 points. He had double, another double-double, two steals. Jeez. All right, so who's going to um, guard Brandon McCoy in conference play when that happens? Anybody? Single, one-on-one, no double, no zone. What's going to happen? Well, Nevada doesn't have the answers um, because they just don't have that much height down low. So I, I think that gives UNLV a great shot to knock off Nevada Ooh. twice, which is not something we would have guessed at all a couple months ago. I guess Boise State has some big guys. Fresno State might struggle. I, San Diego State can defend him with Malik Pope and Cameron Rooks down low, but I mean Brandon McCoy is going to get his 2010, which I think he's already done eight times this year, which is like one of the one of the most in the country. So. Could he seriously be freshman of the year nationally? That might be tough. I mean, I don't think so because Trey Young for Oklahoma has been just, I mean, he's mm-hmm. one of the best players since Steph Curry. But if we're doing top five, top ten voting, he's surely there. Freshman All-American. Probably oh, I think, yeah, I think it's a shoo-in for that or... one. Yeah. He's been awesome. Okay. So what teams, I've seen him play in like good amount. I saw him play at U19s. He's one of the most efficient players back in the summer. Would teams, like, I know we'll get this later, maybe our non-conference uh, wrap-up show next time we do it, but just because there's not many games, we want to kind of spread this out a little bit to make it not 25 minutes. <laughs> but would team would it be ideal for teams to maybe do like a, like you said, Nevada, while athletic, not don't, doesn't have the size, I would think teams would rather go to some sort of zone to not allow him to match up one-on-one with anybody. Yeah, you're exactly right, and that's what uh, Northern Iowa played him differently. They fronted McCoy, so... Um, Nine points in that yeah, game. Yeah, he, he struggled in that one, and um, UNLV really had a tough time um, having ball entries into McCoy down low, so they just couldn't really give him the ball. Pacific, they switched into a zone, and that prevented McCoy from getting a ton of great looks. And, I mean, he still finished with his, um, I mean, a pretty good stat That's line, 21 and 13, so he did just fine. But if you can limit how many times he touches the ball, because UNLV has shooters as well. They, they have guys that can hit from the perimeter. Once you get the ball into McCoy and he gets doubled or tripled, he can just find someone out on the perimeter and they can knock down a three. So I think zone is probably the answer if you don't have big guys down low, which a number of teams in this conference just don't have right now. Well, nobody plays with a center anymore, essentially. Yeah. Very few teams. NBA, college, mm-hmm. stuff to find. Unless you're the guy from what, New Mexico State, the guy who was 7'8", or whatever it was, 7'6". Oh, yeah. <laughs> Possible Pos- Sia Kim, I think, is his name. I'll let you. That's fine. I'll sure I'll go with that. <laughs> That guy was good. <laughs> All right. So we'll see what Nevada – or, sorry, Rebels do UNLV. Uh, any other – we're not trying to talk about any other games we missed or we should discuss you think you like. We talked some Rebels. We talked uh, New Mexico being weird. 
Fresno, um, anything on Nevada front we should discuss real quick, or are they quiet? Uh, they were able to hold off Radford today in a game that's probably a bit more competitive than most people would have Radford. liked. They do have three games left uh, in non-conference <laughs> play. They actually have three in a five-day span, which is kind of tough. But Oh, yeah, they go to the Continental Invitation, That's right, right? down in uh, Orleans Arena where the West Coast Conference Tournament is usually played in Las Vegas, so... They have two neutral site games there against Southern Illinois and San Francisco. Not a ton to write home about, but a neutral win is a neutral win, I guess. And so if they can gather more wins away from Reno, that does look better in the eyes of the selection committee. Um, oh, and, and back-to-back as that, well. That helps yeah, that is, just to get used to those type of games. That is true, because they'll probably have to do that uh, in the Mountain West Tournament. So I guess that's about it for them. San Diego State has their hands full. Um, on December 21st, they host Gonzaga. That's right. I forgot about that. One of the best teams in the country. That is going to be a tough matchup for the Bulldogs because San Diego State, they're fresh off a loss to California, which is arguably the worst team in the Pac-12. Oh. So we'll see how that one pans out. And then they have to go on the road to play Wyoming to open league play. So Aztecs, uh, <laughs> they're looking right into the face of it right now. They... Uh, need to look within themselves, hopefully get healthy and get back on their winning ways. Okay, so that game, real quick, December 21st on CBS Sports.net at home, 7 Pacific. I'm sure you haven't looked at this yet, but would you like to take a guess at the matchup predictor from ESPN's Basketball Power Index? The uh, win probability? First off, who is favored in who, Yes, who is favored in this game, would you think? I would say Gonzaga is heavily favored. Okay, what would you care to gain to a percentage from the matchup predictor? I think... Well, it isn't San Diego State and V-Hoss, which is tough to win. I'm going to say Gonzaga has an 86% chance of winning. You would be way off, my friend. Really? 56.8%. What? Yeah. What, it, this is what, a BPI? Yeah, BPI, 56%? Yeah. Man, this game is uh, far from a coin flip in my eyes. Yeah, if you just look at just kind of just pure numbers, nothing like per possession. Gonzaga scores ninety. You saw them play in Washington. Did you see them play also in yep. Portland? Ninety-one points per game. Hmm. They allow seventy-five. Which okay, whatever. So what? what give us your thought, Gonzaga. You seen them twice? They beat Washington, and you saw them at least once in Portland, right? Or a couple yeah, I saw times? them twice in Portland. Mm-hmm. They played that Florida game, right? They, they went did to overtime mm-hmm. or triple and overtime against Texas. So what, what? Yeah, what are your thoughts on them the, for the uh, Gonzaga? I think uh, I think post play is going to be huge for San Diego State because Gonzaga's got some studs underneath. Jonathan Williams is a really good forward. He can score from inside and outside. And Killian Tilly, who's he's like your prototypical dude from the Eastern Hemisphere for Gonzaga that just like, who is this guy? And then he scores 20 points on you. So he's going to be one to watch out for. I think Malik Pope's going to have to have a big game if San Diego State wants to hang around and have a chance. And he's probably been their best player up to this point. Maybe Matt Mitchell, the freshman uh, wing, could make an argument there. But I think Malik Pope's, it, if he's going to have a breakout game this season, I think home against Gonzaga to wrap up non-conference play is going to have to be the one, be the game that he shines. And just for kicks here, I'm looking at Ken Palm right now. And, and uh, Ken Palm gives San Diego State a 35% chance of winning this game. So that's 35 65 That sounds... That sounds more accurate. Yeah, it does to me too. I, I mean, maybe maybe eighty six for Gonzaga is a bit high, but especially since it's in San Diego State. But you'd think the Bulldogs are pretty highly favored in this game, wouldn't you think? I don't have an actual line at the moment, so I went off of that because it's still a week plus away, almost a week away, or end of this no end of this week. But it's uh, if they can get that one, so let's just really quick let's wrap this up here. I saw a tweet from the guys who's at CB Central Basketball. Mm -hmm. 
Who are those guys? Somebody mentioned like who are the teams that could be that large consideration. They didn't question. They didn't send us the question, but I just saw it. Crap! I think they mentioned. Oh, man, I, oh, I just saw that too. Um, let's talk about that really quick. Um, I think it's Kevin Sweeney. Maybe it somebody is. else. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is Sweeney. He does. If, don't if you follow him. I, oh yeah. Good. Oh, if you good. don't, you better follow him. He's, <laughs> he's not your. Uh, I don't. Was it a? Some, oh, whatever. I'm asking a question about which it? teams I think still have at large consideration out of the Mountain West. I think you said boys. Uh, I wish I could find it here. Maybe not. Okay, this is an exciting podcast. Yeah, I know he mentioned UNLV. Boy, oh, here it is. All right. Nevada, Boise, and UNLV look like they could have interesting resumes, especially if Boise can get the win over SMU. Would you put those as the three teams that potential at large? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with those. I think if I were to rank those, I'd say Boise State, if they find a way to win against SMU on Monday, that's your top at large consideration out of the Mountain West. I'd then go Nevada, and then I think UNLV would be third because, I mean, you've seen the strength of schedule and whatnot. I mean, UNLV hasn't really played, I mean, many great teams this year in non-conference play. So, I I mean, Fresno State doesn't really have an argument. They haven't beaten a top 50 team yet. Wyoming has a couple bad losses. Um, Even I, I want to bring up Wyoming real quick because yeah. we messaged about this before because I'm doing these rankings, and... Real quick, the RPI, I know RPI is not everything, but they're 15 RPI, which is really good. The rest of it, which is better than UNLV by 40 spots. And UNLVs will improve just because of beating Utah and Illinois due to the conference they're in. So you can still manipulate the RPI. But then if you look at, like, uh, they dropped in, like, Ken Palm, 103, 139 RPI, Sagarin, or, or BPI, sorry, Sagarin, 92. Do we know what these team sheets is there? Are they weighing RPI more, or is it still kind of evenly between... RPI and Ken Palm and BPI, BPI and other advanced stats. It's not evenly, and, and someone's actually done some research. I, I still need to find that and bookmark it when I when I do find it. But RPI still is much highly, uh, or far more highly correl- correlated with the final seed rank than Ken Palm or any of the other advanced metrics. So I think you you want your advanced metric rankings to be high. So like if Wyoming's twenty in Ken Palm, they're one fourteen right now. But say they're in twenty in Ken Palm, and mm-hmm. they had three column one RPI victories like oh man we can dream but I think (laughs) your RPI victories and then your advanced metric rankings are what's most important yeah because if you look at I'm trying to see let me look at UNLV real quick because they are well it's like sometimes you see metrics that seem like awful like why are they why does Ken Palm have team A 22 typically it's a non-power team I think wasn't Monmouth pretty high a couple years ago Mm -hmm. Like in, in Camp Pomp, but their RPI is probably like 150 or something, or 100, or just w- difference was staggering. So that's what I'm getting at because they they play a decent schedule: South Carolina, Oregon State, whatever. They played M- Mountain West because their schedule is 103, or excuse me, not 103. It's Ken Palm is 86. Would they have any consideration being like a 50 RPI now, or that just drop once they league games going, or will like I mentioned with UNLV, the Oregon State and South Carolina games help their RPI because just by virtue of them playing in the Power League. That'll help Wyoming indirectly. It will help, but I I just don't think there's much of an argument for an at-large bid for Wyoming. Even if they uh, roll off a number of conference victories, I just don't think it's there. Typically, and here's why too. Oh, sorry. Well, I was gonna say. Well, no, you finish up. I'll go over the groupings here in a moment. I'm there isn't really a formula to to get an at-large bid, especially if you're a mid-major. But what I have found, I did some research last year with Wichita State because they're in that bubble conversation. If you're in the top 25 of Ken Palm, you're essentially a lock. I think 
I think I want to say there's no team that's ever been ranked 23rd or higher that's ever missed the tournament in terms of Ken Palm rankings. And Nevada's knocking on the door right now. They're 36th, and so if they're able to blast a number of teams in conference play, then they'll be right in that 20 range, even if they don't have those major power conference victories. So um, I guess we'll see how it sorts out in conference play, but Nevada, Boise State, and UNLV have to be, at best, your only at-large considerations to this point. All right, so let me go over the rankings really quick, the grouping, because I put in the article I'm doing now basically every weekday, maybe weekends once it gets closer <coughs> down the road, or like in March or something, early March. But here's how it works now. Our people complain about their RPI because it can be manipulated. Like I mentioned, like with UNLV playing Illinois technically neutral, UNLV can be garbage, but they're in the Big Ten. We'll get a good RPI just because, and that helps UNLV just because they played a team that's going to have a good RPI because of what league they played mm-hmm. in. So they switched up a little bit. Instead of just doing top 25, top 50 wins, and somebody mentioned this on the podcast, I should have made it more clear last time, which hopefully this is the case today. So there's now four groupings, and it's not just straight top whatever. So they're putting value on games away from home and devaluing home games themselves. So here's what group one is really quick. Home games, one through 30, neutral, one through 50. Basically neutral, you can think of like before, top 50, top 100, top 200, and then below. Away games went through 75. So losing a team, like, for example, well, Wyoming's not a good example. They have two top 50 RPI teams. But say you have a, a road team and they're 68th in RPI, but you go on the road and you lose to them. That used to be, okay, whatever, it's not a great win because it's not a top 50 game. Or, or even if you beat them. Let's do winning. That's a better example, right? So say team 65th, you beat them on the road. That's weighted before, same as a home or road or neutral game. So now that game is considered a Tier 1 or Group 1 game. So Group 1 victories are what you want, obviously. So at home, 1 through 30, neutral, top 50, um, away, top 75. Which will help, like our league, the Mountain West, like if you go on the road, like playing at Oregon, like like when Boise State played, or playing at um, TC, Texas Tech or TCU in neutral with you, that Nevada did, or just going on the road. And then Group 2, you can read our website, we have it there, but that's Group 1. And so what I mean, Group 4... They're five and one in group four, which is the worst group possible. Mm-hmm. For those who at home, it's a home victory, 161, 351, 201 plus for neutral, 241 neutral. Well, I mean, also has lost away to Denver to 299 loss. <laughs> I'm sorry, well, I mean. But so that's the reason why, while they have a good RPI at the moment, they're five and one in group four. You want to have a good record in group one. And with the expanded of away games going up to 75 as a group one, counting the same as a top 30 home win, that's going to help. It could help Wyoming. It could help all these other teams that get victories that aren't considered that are teams that are traditionally outside of top fifty. So I hope that was a good explanation. No, definitely, everybody. yeah. And so basically, if you're a fan of any of these Mountain West teams, which I assume you are, if you're listening to this, but it, yes, if uh, like say you're a Boise State fan and beat Oregon early this year, I know Boise State fans don't really like Oregon, especially after that football game the other day, um, but. You, you want to root for these teams for the rest of the season. So Boise State, they won't, they need Oregon to stay in the top 75 of the RPI, which I think they will uh, once conference play. Yeah, right around. now, real quick, yeah, right now, real quick, they're 97. Okay, yeah, but I, I think that they'll probably stay in the top 75. And why that's huge, and correct me if I'm wrong, I th- think road wins over top 75 opponents are column one a designation. Yes, yeah, so, one through 75. And Boise State yes. needs to have at least one column one win to get into the NCAA tournament as an at-large. So... 
yeah, root for Oregon, root for Nevada when they're not playing each other, um, because you want your schedule to be as strong as possible uh, come Selection Sunday, or else you'll be headed to the NIT or CBI. Because look at Vanderbilt. Wasn't Vanderbilt last year they had like 15 top 50 games or oh, something? Oh, they had a most ton. Of losses. Yeah, I think Tennessee entered the but, year this year with at least 16 or 17 chances. But like Vanderbilt had like, were they all like losses, I believe? But yet they said they played a tough schedule, so they got one of the last spots in. They finished the regular season with only 17 or 18 victories and still got into the tournament yeah. pretty comfortably, so that tells you a lot. So that's why I'm glad the change is made because that's helpful. But then again, you still like basically any team you play. Like right now, just we're going to wrap this up soon. But Southern Utah is considered a, t- a group two win. That's going to change because they're in the big sky, but that's a 57 ranked team for a home. That's a tier two or group two victory. That's not going to change, but you want like Oregon to move up. You want, say, Grand Canyon or UTEP or all the, like basically any team you played, you want them to win. You want your opponents to be as best as possible, to win as many games as possible. Even in conference play, you want. Like, if you're UNLV, you hate Nevada, you want them to win. San Diego State hates Fresno, you want Fresno to beat these teams. It helps everybody out, helps the conference out, then maybe Boise, Nevada, another team gets in for a second, or maybe even dreaming third spot in the, for <laughs> at-large consideration. So, also real quick, um, Bracket Matrix has a new update as of today, so we're lucky we stumbled across this. Out of, right now, 31 brackets, they'll probably, probably be, what, close to 100 by the time the season comes to an end. They have Nevada at eight seed and eight point one seven seed, and you had a tweet. Isn't that up a couple spots from last week? Uh, I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's down a spot, but they have oh, been trending in the right. right direction for the most part. They did start the season with an average of ten point seven in terms of seeding, and uh, I looked at yours backwards. That's why. Oh yeah, I guess the the dates <laughs> yeah. on there are kind of confusing. But I mean, they're placed in thirty of the thirty one brackets, and you also have Boise State that's in the field as a twelve seed. So that's relatively encouraging if you're a Mountain West fan. And you forgot UNLV. They are very close. They're receiving votes in five of them. All right. That, that helps. Somebody what, has them as a, Somebody has them as a, Okay. I think I want to um, – there's one bracket I'm going to disregard at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm seeing it right now. TRM, yeah. Who's TRMD? Oh, I was looking at the RES one that had UNLV as a six seed. Four seed. TRMD index has them as a four seed. All right. The takes are hot. Sure. Whatever. Cool. But – they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get the award for the worst bracket. Collective, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it could be, but collectively, at the end of the year, when you have 150 brackets pulled, it's by far the best resource of information in terms of bracketology that you can find on the internet. So um, check that one out. Yeah, don't trust one. Don't just check Lenardi or Jerry Palm or your stuff, Eli, which comes out. Don't trust just no, the one. No, I mean, even mine. Don't, trust... don't just look at mine because yeah. I, I screw up from time to time as well. If you have 150 brackets, 100 plus brackets, the outliers are going to not matter as much. Definitely. Because if they're if they're a four seed and there's 100 brackets, not a big deal. But right now, if you take away that four seed, that put them probably at the very right. bottom here. You know right. what I mean? Because there's teams below, well below UNLV that are in 12 brackets. Like I'm looking at Idaho real quick. They're in 12 brackets, but just because there's one or two high teams on UNLV, they're up higher. Or Georgetown. Some idiot has Georgetown as a seed a vote in here. And that's the uh, same dude, eight seed from T- TRMD. I'm not even going to give the website out. TRMD, so... <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't Georgetown, know what to make of that one, but uh, and to be fair, this is a week old, so Georgetown did lose. So hopefully they're not because <laughs> Georgetown finally played a team with a pulse that's not from the Miak. <laughs> oh, Georgetown, gotta love it. So, and then let's wrap up on your piece you did real quick about what other mid majors are opening the door for the Mountain West that have been <laughs> just about all of them. <laughs> Everyone's doing the yeah, OA. You know, every single one. That's OA. It. Yeah. So the A ten has been, I mean, nothing short of. Probably the most disappointing mid or low major 
conference uh, in college basketball this year. They only have one team that has lost fewer than three games. Um, so they're probably looking like a one-bid conference right now. Missouri Valley, they lost Wichita State, has been highly documented. So they're probably looking at just one bid. Um, so, I mean, WCC St. Mary's was supposed to win the league heading into the year. They've been highly disappointing. Yeah. Uh, they lost to Washington State, and they will end non-conference play with probably zero top 100 wins. So um, it opens the door for the Mountain West in the end because you have to fill up 32 at-large bids in the NCAA tournament, and you'd think Mountain West gets at least two. You'd hope so, but I guess time will tell. Exactly. And so I guess the other uh, leagues um, that are out there that have multiple will get the uh, – American, there's probably a couple leagues that have multiple bid teams. With the American, Mountain West, maybe. Um, where do you put the Big East? Are they a power league? Oh, yeah. Okay, just curious. Hey, just yeah, that, for sure. some reason, that's highly debated, but like Big East has at least four or five teams every year, so I don't know. That, that's what I'm wondering, too. Yeah, I'm like, it's, okay. it's weird because you have like Power I 5 know. plus Big East plus American, so I don't know. Because they did lose UConn, right? But that's about it. They still have. I mean, like, who, who do they lose in the realignment range? Uh, UConn, Cincinnati, is that about it, right? Yeah, I mean, the big name, West big Virginia, they lost. Yeah, but, but, I mean, they still have Villanova, yeah, Xavier, Seton Hall, Creighton, so they've they've got at least four but- Sweet 16. I had a Butler yeah. a couple years okay. ago. Awesome league, for sure. 8-1 eight, eight Georgetown, respect. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> MEAC champs. <laughs> oh, that schedule, Maine, Coppin, Howard. Hey, at least one team could beat Howard. Sorry, Rebels. <laughs> Football shot. Oh, man, ouch. <laughs> They played Syracuse, great. I guess that's an old Big East rival, but I'm just going to run this off because it's fun. North Texas, AAMU, is that Alabama A&M University? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. I don't have it in front of me right now. I'm just, I'm just curious. I, I think that. that is, though. Yeah, that, that's it. That's their last non Loaded game. schedule, and they wrap up with North Texas, Alabama A&M. Nice. Uh, all right, well, that's the end of our show here. We don't need to go any further of Georgetown Breakdown because, well, whatever. People know the name, but people should know who they're playing because they're terrible. So... Yeah, that's all I got for today. MWWire.com, that's our show. Look for a uh, – we're going to do some sort of – our next show will be – it's Christmas Christmas week coming up, so I don't think we're going to record Christmas Eve because we probably both have better things to do <laughs> just because it's I Christmas I hope just Eve. about everyone has something better to do on Christmas Eve than talk about Mountain West basketball. But <laughs> Here's the thing. But here's the thing, though. We will, we will not leave the website barren. There will be a couple things we'll pre-schedule. Definitely. So if you want to duck away from that family dinner or sing in some random Christmas song that you Yeesh. hate um, – just, um, yeah, we'll have some stuff up there. I feel like basketball. We'll have our – isn't that where we're putting out our top ten or two-team league we need to uh, find a better name for? Top ten yeah, players? Yeah, we, we should work on that, yeah. So look for that. We'll have stuff up there, but we'll see when we podcast next. It'll basically be wrap-up non-conference, go over that, and maybe get to the first week of league play. So that's it for tonight. Uh, what do you guys say? Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, tune in. Um, where else are we at, Matt? Or, um, Eli, where, where do you get your podcast from, Eli? What's your podcast? MySpace, AOL. Snail mail, no, facts. No, no. <laughs> uh, we're not going to telegram it to you because uh, Belgium shut down the telegram God. service. So no more, no more telegrams. So I can't go. Stop. Everyone ruins all Stop. the fun. <laughs> um, I use Pocket Cast, so you can find us there. So that's it. Um, check out. We got basketball coming up. SMU, Boise State, Gonzaga, San Diego State. Those teams got to win. We'll see it happens. But until next time, we'll see you next time. I guess there you go. Peace.